Hello, and welcome to Second Helpings, a Grace Fellowship podcast designed to serve up another round of insight and application from our Sunday morning corporate worship gatherings. Pull up, dig in, and get filled as we take another taste of God's greatness. All right, man. Well, um, Dan, it's another second helping force here. We're coming off of, what was that, July 18th? The July, 18th? July 18th. That was yesterday, yeah. So um, we're still in John 21, uh, talking a little bit, you know, moving along through that passage. And uh, this week was really interesting for me, anyway, to see some of the interactions with Peter, really kind of getting into his motivations, what was going on there. Um, is there anything in particular stuck out to you from that that you really enjoyed either studying or maybe you wish you'd be able to spend more time on? Yeah, I think there's one subject in particular that d- escapes the John 21 and makes it actually into the New Testament. So when we thought about the idea of Peter's confidence was in his own ability. So when we see him betray Christ and then we come to this beach scene in which Jesus is helping him refocus on the mission, he says, do you love me? In other words, Jesus makes this incredibly important shift for us to move from confidence in ourselves, our own abilities, to the motivating dynamic of love for him. So that when Paul takes that up in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15, he says the love of God constrains us. In other words, uh, Paul certainly would be confident uh, in the sense of his ability to communicate, his ability to know scripture, his ability to know the gospel by this time. But that wasn't the thing that motivated him. The motivating factor was his love for what Christ had done for him. And therefore, the confidence, that's the soil, the confidence springs up out of that. So it doesn't mean, as a Christian, you're not confident. I can be very confident. I can't be very confident in myself. Mm -hmm. That's a difference. Mm -hmm. And the motivator, move it from a self-oriented confidence to a love-motivated confidence, I think that is really a game changer, and that's where that those interactions, those three particular questions, 15, 16, 17, was really centered on that. Help him to reorient his worldview. The thing, Peter, that'll move you through this time is your love for me, and Peter got it that he goes, I don't love you the way I'd like, mm-hmm. but I do love you. And um, Jesus then goes, okay, tend my lambs, feed my sheep, tend my lambs. And so the idea is, okay, be about doing what I've called you to do and let the powerhouse for that be love for me, not confidence in yourself. Yeah, that's what I thought was really important thinking about that. I know so many counseling situations over the years, just, I mean, just discipleship in general, being motivated from love. I know a lot of brothers and sisters sometimes think, well, what? I don't love Christ the way I should. What do I do? And I think it's... you. You realize there's the mercy of Christ. He's there interacting with Peter mm-hmm. as you're going through those different steps. He's maybe come off a little heavy-handed the way he's doing it. You might think he's being harsh, but he's being loving when he's drawing that out of Peter. Yeah. He's reminding him, you can't be confident in you, right? Self-confidence is going to fade because yeah. we're terrible. Christ's confidence, man. Yeah, he's resetting the calculus. He's resetting his understanding, and I think he does that for us. We naturally are looking to our own resources. But there's something happens there that when we look to Christ, we are transformed. So therefore, when we see what Christ has done, within the transaction of meditating on that, there's an aspiration that comes up within us to go, I'd love to be like that, which in turn brings out exactly what you said, I don't do that like I should. But that's not a bad thing. That's more of a, of a Greek Western mentality. It's, it's bad because we go, oh, we aren't what we are. 
it's only bad because we want to be perfect. We want mm, to be complete. That's good. But it's that's actually good. good because it forces us to go, you know what, I'm not, but you are, mm. and you've accepted me. So from on the basis of being accepted, not on the basis of my performance. So right there, even within that dynamic, I'm accepted by you. And within that, there's this generation of, you could say, fuel for me to live out. I'm accepted by you, I don't measure up, Wow, that is neat. What can I do for you? Mm. And so I think mm. if somebody goes, theology only makes sense if, if I can actualize it completely without God, then you go, my theology stinks. Mm. You know, there's going to be this side of heaven. There's always going to be that dependency, that confession of need. And if you ever get to the point where you go, I really don't confess any need. I've arrived. Uh, you have a bigger problem when you started. <laughs> yeah, you're deceived. Yeah. Well, that's the, I mean, one of the first, it's, well, it sounds like a fortune cookie, but I mean, I heard years ago, one of the first signs of wisdom is an admittance of ignorance. You know, mm -hmm. it's the idea of that you've got to know that you're continuing to grow in these things, um, which I think is incredibly encouraging. Like, mm. you would think, and you, and you touched on this last week, you would think Peter, of all people, he would know what to be doing, mm. to be doing the right thing, and he doesn't. He's still got this place to where the Lord humbles him in kindness and is growing him for his future, knowing how he's going to have an impact on the church and how the Lord's going to use him. And he's kind to tend to him and say, you're not what you need to be. I'm what we need. I'm what I'm all you need. And I'm going to bring you along in your sanctification. It's huge. Yeah. Your your ability to move through this time is not predicated fundamentally on your ability. It's fundamentally connected to my care for you and my sustaining grace for yeah. you. And I think that that's exactly why it's so inspiring to when you look at the disciples. You look at them and you're shocked and somewhat dismayed that you go, how could they not pull this off? How is it within 14 days yeah. of seeing someone conquer death yeah. that you think fishing is a really good future? <laughs> and, and then more than that, we talked about that last week, then more than that, when the conqueror of death shows up, he doesn't liquefy you yeah. for thinking that, yeah. but he takes you where you're at, but he doesn't leave you there. He points you to the mission and he cares for you specifically, uh, and he does it in such a personal, profound, moving way. It makes sense why we see Peter so bold in Acts 4, not because mm. he is bold in and of himself, but because he's become bold mm. because of the Holy Spirit and what Christ has done for him, mm -hmm. in him, through him. So now, who does he really have to fear? It's kind of like Lazarus yeah. in John 11. <laughs> How do you persecute Lazarus, who's been raised from the dead? I've been there, done that. Yeah, I mean, you just go, really? Yeah. You're yeah. going to threaten to take my life? Yeah. Oh, okay. I think that's an interesting thing to see over the life of a believer. You see Peter, who confessed, right? You are the Christ. Hmm. There's a lot of time that happens between this point to where you talk about like in Acts 4. There's a lot of growing. There's a lot of the Lord working with him, being generous to where his confession, it wasn't untrue when he said it. It was absolutely valid. But he's getting to where he's building and the Spirit's working in him. The Lord's working on him. He's learning more. He's getting a higher value of Christ. Um, and he's understanding that his life's being conformed to it, to where you get that Acts 4 epiphany. The reason I think about that is we had baptism yesterday, right? Which is beautiful, and I, I love that. It's always, I'm always trying not to hoot and holler a little bit. So, but I get so excited when I see people declaring their allegiance for Christ. But I think as a believer, at some point, you've made a confession, right? Yeah. You've made that. And maybe you've gone along, maybe you've denied Christ, right? Probably not around a fire and saying, I don't know who that is, but there's things in our life that have done that. The Lord continues to work with us so we can use us for his purposes to proclaim his glory. And I'm not saying the same way that Peter does in Acts. 
true. But it's still a pattern of how the Lord continues to work with us. We're not forsaken. We're continuing to be molded into his image. That's so encouraging to me. It is incredibly encouraging. And I think even if you if you think about it even more, these are these kind of mountaintop experiences, either of proclamation or of denial in the life of Peter. Mm -hmm. But if we had a glimpse into all the inadequacies we have oh. and how the gospel uh, makes up for that, I, I think that we're shielded by that. I think in some ways uh, the life of Peter is this a very quick snapshot into the lifestyle we all have that God periodically surfaces something in our life that we struggle with. It's always been there. It's kind of mm -hmm. like underwater. Mm -hmm. And he brings it up and he shows our inefficiency, our ineffections in it, but he shows us his affection mm -hmm. in us, through us. And then that kind of goes down and brings something else up. But I think that underneath the water, there are all sorts of ways in which we struggle, yeah. in which we're not even aware that we are weak and needy. He's totally aware, but in his grace, he doesn't throw it all on us in the yeah. moment. Think That's about good. all the yeah. different ways that Peter, issues he has. Yeah. Um, and he surfaces it at this time and gently brings him through. I think in eternity, we're gonna realize mm. the manifest level of God's grace in a way that is much more profound than we even realize today. Just in the day to day, right? Yeah, I mean, for sure, the sustaining, yeah, if anybody's ever been in a situation where they've been overwhelmed before, I mean, there's different circumstances that cause that, but it's generally the same thing is that the circumstances became too much, mm. right? They got to you. So, I mean, it makes sense to think about those things were all there, mm. but there was a point where it kind of got like that. And then we have the grace of God to sustain us, right? But it makes sense to think that's that's happening all the time. All the time. things are there, man, right? All that's the, the time. Of Christ. And it makes sense because it speaks to our humanity is that, the thing that got us into this place of wanting to be the creator, wanting to be in control, wanting our own comfort, wanting approval, and in the myriad ways those things are manifest, God is now helping us to walk in faith mm -hmm. the way Adam and Eve were in Genesis 1 and 2, but he's got to go through that, that um, self-reliance that will never be vetted completely until mm -hmm. we leave this earth. Yeah, and then at that point, we won't be, it won't be self-reliance. We'll just be That's fully right. and properly relying upon Christ, right? Yep. That's the, I love that. Whenever we talk about resurrection, I know we haven't talked about this in the message, and I know we'll probably come up next week, but I always think about looking to that resurrected Christ and remembering this is what it means to be completely human, right? Like mm -hmm. this is the fulfilled final human. And we don't know much. Like mm -hmm. we, he's doing a different mission there. It always encourages me to think about where the Lord, you're not done with me. And I look forward to the fact that one day I will be completely in you, sustained by you, and I won't be able to get in the way anymore. Mm -hmm. That's good stuff. Yeah. I want to ask you a question. There's this, uh, I got a, a list. We, yeah, last week I said we didn't have a list on the other side, but I've got a list here with some of the takeaways on it. It's the same thing you guys had in your, um, in your bulletin. Yeah, the teaching, guy. The teaching guy. There teaching we go. Guy. Yeah, I'll go with terms. I love. So the second one you had, the first one's good. The love of Jesus is essential to the mission that He calls us to, and I want to get to the third one in a second. But I want to. And number two, you said the mission that Jesus has for you never ends with you. And I thought that kind of hit me in between the eyes because even as a pastor, I'm constantly thinking about you know how I can help people to better grow and know and enjoy the Lord. Um, but I can make that about me as well. Mm. I can make being about others about me. And to really think that Christ, who it is all about Him, it's not mm. like it absolutely is, everything yeah. revolves around Him, worked in such a way to focus upon others. He, I mean, Peter's there, everybody else is listening to this, right? I mean, mm. they're all learning from this. And to where He's making the ends that are really about Him work by focusing on these brothers. 
And I thought there's a lot of ways we could flesh that out in our daily living about mm-hmm. are you really being compelled um, by seeing others and how they're going to glorify Christ? I thought that was that was really good. I think there's the one sense in which we can deceive ourselves in humbly serving other people, but doing it in a very proud way. Yeah. And I think ultimately that is the work, the deep work only the Spirit of God can do, surfacing that. And I think that some people legitimately, sincerely think they're serving others well, but they're doing it in a very proud way. And so therefore, if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, uh, he's got to garden those things out of us. He's Mm, got to dig up those roots. And that's where it has to be about him. And so I think there's that one part. The other part is if anybody thinks the sentence ends with them, that is uh, incredibly dysfunctional. Mm. God has a a way of working through things that um, ultimately are meant to project him onto someone else or into the mission. So he uses a a donkey in the Old Testament. Mm. Uh, And so he uses uh, nature to communicate his existence. Uh, All of these things are moving towards the inexplicable, at this point, understanding of exactly how he's going to glorify himself and spread his fame in the end. But we know it always goes back to him. So Anytime we think, hey, I'm, I'm really good, I'm good at this, or I've got that going on, be careful. Yeah. Yeah. Because you didn't start that. It was the grace of God. And it's not going to end with you. It's going to end with the proclamation of who he is and his glory. So be careful. Yeah. Be like the servant that Christ talks about. We are but unworthy servants. You tasked us. You're the master. We did what we we're supposed to do, not to get to the applause, but be part of the choir, yeah. giving the applause. That's good. Yeah, I remember somebody said once to me when they we say Christianity is basically the way you talk about it. It just becomes all woe is me, woe is me. I'm terrible, and you know. And I thought, no, no, that's not Christianity. That's reality. <laughs> like you don't get, you don't get it. This is the truth. You don't know how to comprehend that. And in getting that, and then understanding that that's true. We are we are not designed for our own ends. We are designed to bear yeah. God's image, reflect His glory. Mm. Well, now I'm just trying to help you do the thing that's going to give you fulfillment. Right. You're never going to find fulfillment making much of yourself because you weren't made to do it. No. And it is so gracious, the Lord continues to work in us to be able to make us and mold us in his image and his character. Mm. That's such a good thing. I want to go to question number three, and it kind of ties back into number three, uh, one. The motivation for our mission is joy, not duty. And man, there's a part of me that still thinks uh, duty is a powerful thing, mm. right? Like, tell me yeah. what to do and I'll go yeah. deliver. Yeah. But there's another part of me that goes, Zach, you love that because that's your sin. That's your yeah. pride doing that when yeah. you can know these things. It doesn't mean we don't do things. The Lord has called us to do certain things. We don't go, forget that. We're not going to do it. But it must be compelled out of love. It must be compelled mm. out of that joy. And seeking your own joy in that way is not bad, right? No. That's the way the Lord designed us to receive real joy and fulfillment is by doing the things that he's called us to. Yeah, and I think when you see the disciples, the seven, going back to the lake, uh, they were seeking out their joy. Yeah. Uh, they were seeking out predictability and That's comfort and a schedule and a regiment and a way to see the work of their hand and know exactly where the rest of this is going. So they were seeking their joy. What they were, should have done is simply sought their joy in obeying Christ, yeah. be on the mountain, uh, Matthew 28, 16. So this is the thing. In them seeking their joy, they ended up being fruitless. They ended up not catching the fish. So I think in our life, we want to seek the joy. There are times, though, where we go, I don't feel like going to church. Mm. At that point, you go, but duty should kick in. Mm -hmm. Discipline should kick in. I don't want to spend time on the Word. 
duty should kick in. I don't want to love that person who's really difficult. Mm -hmm. They've just walked into the room. I've got to get out of the room. Mm -hmm. At that point, you've got to go, you feel that duty. You've got to go, God, help me to love them like you love me. Mm -hmm. Help me to get up and go to church because I see the value of it. And so, therefore, at the times, you do the duty, but you don't live there. It's kind of like what we said on Sunday. You travel through. You don't camp there. And you confess as you go and ask God to carve out or bring up within you kind of like that spring Mm -hmm. of the new covenant that Jesus talks about with the woman at the well. Bring up the desire because of the way you have loved me when I walked in the room, because the way you loved me in creating the church. So... Duty has its place, but you can't live there. If you have a Christian and you go, what is a Christian? Christian is reading the Bible or going to church, and you equate activity with spirituality, you have a problem because that activity uh, will never sustain you in a world that has pleasure because discipline will never beat the world's pleasure. You'll be able to resist, but you will never be able to thrive. And so joy, just like with Christ, for the joy set before him endured the cross because he saw the beauty of what would happen as he follows what says in John 8, that he always did those things that please the Father. He saw that joy there. Why? Because he's pleasing the Father. That led him to the duty that he had chosen to do. So he moved through that, the epicenter of the activity, the duty, is the joy. The duty is still there, the discipline is still there, but the centerpiece, the motivation, the kind of uh, the workhorse is the joy. And we have to work hard to see that. And that comes with the renewing of your mind. And you really just have to apply yourself Mm -hmm. and warn Christians, particularly legalistic Christians, who think if I do this and I do this and do this, I'm a good Christian. That's hollow. Mm. Uh, And eventually you'll do one of two things. You'll either change who God is to match what you want to make him manageable, or you'll walk. Mm. You'll walk away. You can't live in that. Mm. You can't live in that for any period of time. You'll either change who God is or you'll walk because you can't handle it. Well, they're both bad news because the first one results in, you know, Sermon on the Mount. Depart from me for you, I never knew. We do all this stuff in your name, but Jesus says, who are you again, right? Um, Not to put words in the Lord's mouth, but (laughs) that's basically the idea. That's... That's a scary, scary thought. I'm glad you brought up that idea um, in Hebrews that the Christ endures the cross for the joy set mm-hmm. before him. I think it's easy to think if it's hard, it's not worth it. Mm. Well, if it's so hard that you don't want to do it, then maybe it's not worth it to you. That doesn't change the value mm-hmm. of the thing, right? Yeah. Like yeah. you and I might have a gold bar sitting across the table and we'd be willing to do different things to get it. Yeah. The gold bar has a set amount of value in and of itself. Yeah. We're the ones who determine what if it's worth to us. Christ is worth it for us to endure hard things because he's better than anything else. And I think, uh, I know for me personally, as I've grown in the Lord over years and understood more about him, better understand his word, Christ just becomes more valuable to me. He can become no more valuable than he is. Yeah, yeah, he becomes yeah. more yeah. valuable in yeah. the way I view him. And discipline, though sometimes it's still hard, it becomes more of a joy in and of itself. I want to do these things. I want to be about following Christ yeah. in this way. And it, and it doesn't mean it's not difficult. Like James, when he says, consider with all joy uh, difficulties. Uh, we're not masochists. God's not a sadist. <laughs> so the idea is, is not that... It is sometimes getting up, going to church, sometimes uh, loving that unlo- a loving person. It's incredibly hard. Mm. And we're not saying, thank you, sir, may I have enough. Yeah. <laughs> what we're doing is, is considering, we're not saying this event, we're saying 
Obedience in this event, we consider the value of that to our walk with Christ, that we trust him, he's doing a work. So we consider it. It's not that it is, but we consider the work that he's doing in and through us because we participate in these things is worth it. Mm -hmm. Life is an endless succession of value propositions. Yeah. And the more you see the value of the Lord, the the display of his glory, um, it becomes easier to respond to them totally. in the way that he's designed us to do. Totally. It's good stuff, man. Obviously, we can keep going on. Look forward to next week. Um, the, I don't know how you're going to get what's left in one message. So I'm, I'm kind of curious as to the trick. I am. But, I am too. <laughs> now, I, I, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about that idea of God's will and how do you know your will for yourself and will for all Christians and in will for God us in this world and so we're going to think about that idea peter says hey what about that guy we do that often you know what about that person how are they living go okay hold on first of all the the will of god is intensely personal let's get that down and then there's other things we enter into to support other christians but we don't become god for them yes yeah absolutely i love it to me it's one of the closest way jesus never had children in the sense that we have children but it's the closest you see him in parenting that's right i all the time uh that was my jonathan got to do this or why got to you mind your own business how's that between you and me we're going to see a little bit of that this week and how christ communicates that's great thanks for taking the time you guys thanks for joining us we're loving doing these second helpings with you guys we hope they're impacting you if you have anything else you want to talk about any other questions please again feel free to contact me dan your shepherding pastor talk amongst yourself about these things Talk about the Word of God and how it's impacting your life, and you'll continue to grow greater value for Jesus Christ. You guys take it easy. We'll see you next time.